If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Luke chapter 15. You can begin turning there. And uh, my brother mentioned Punxsutawney Phil, so I'll just tell a brief story. We've lived in Punxsutawney for about uh, seven years or so. And when we had just first moved there, our daughter was going into her senior year. She had to transfer in her senior year, our son in the 10th grade. They were leaving um, the small town of Pittsburgh to the metropolis of Punxsutawney. And so they were just so excited, all right, for this move. We had, I I can say that for myself, I never sought to serve in this capacity, but the Lord's will be done and may it ever be. So anyway, we go to the first game dinner at the church. And uh, so we're standing in line and lo and behold, Punxsutawney Phil was actually there for this game dinner at Punxsutawney Lines Church. And so we're standing in line, spaghetti dinner, you know, and and we're standing there and and my son gets a glimpse of Punxsutawney Phil and he says, Dad, now's my opportunity. Let me get the 30-30 and pop him. We're standing there and, and just as William says this, this guy in front of us turns around and says, young, young man, I'm the mayor of Punxsutawney. <laughs> now, son, you can pop me, you can pop my mama, you can pop my papa, but if you pop Punxsy Phil, you're in deep weeds. <laughs> Sorry about whatever happens as a result of Punxsy Phil. Isn't it amazing what they can get away with with a little rodents and some advertising. Amen? It's amazing. Well, it is an honor to be here. I just want to thank the text because, you know, when everything goes right, it's all invisible and no one knows anything. Did you notice how Brother Dave had to turn stuff off and on and off and on and off and on? He just told me, just go up there. And, and, and I know you well, Jeff. Just, just go up there. I'll do everything for you. I wonder what that means, huh? Context is everything. And I mean that to our sound text. You guys do an amazing job. Context is everything. It's not only true in our world today. So many misunderstandings occur because people don't understand the context in which something is said, but also in the Word of God. Context is critical. It's critical. For instance, if I were to say we are $10 million in debt, Is that bad news or is it good news? It's bad news, right? If this church is $10 million in debt, it's bad news. Amen? But if it's the national debt, $10 million, they would spend $10 million celebrating. Right? Context is critical. And it wasn't actually until I got got into Bible college that I really understood that. Because I grew up, let's see, I'm 52 years old. So for 52 years and nine months, I have been in an Alliance church. And my mom had one rule. Either you were in the church when the doors were open or you were in the hospital and she'd make, make either one a reality. Are you with me? So you know how long I've been. So all that time growing up, I would read the, 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 the parables of Jesus and I'd, I'd, I'd uh, hear sermons on the parable of Jesus. And every time I thought that I was the good guy. Like the the Samaritan, you know, the story of the Good Samaritan. Well, I'm not a Jewish leader, and I'm not an elder, and I'm not this, so I'm a Samaritan. Yeah, right? Are you with me? Yet, if you really understand that parable, Jesus was talking to us. 
He was saying the people of the world know how to love and be a good neighbor better than we do. Amen? This parable is similar to it. Now, it's just like a Mother's Day or Father's Day. Anyone been in church on Mother's Day or Father's Day before? So I know I preached many, many sermons from others. And I knew on Mother's Day I had two, two types of people in the congregation. I had moms and everyone else. Right? And so the message is primarily for moms, but I got a message so that everyone else can hear too. Are, are you with me? Same thing with Father's Day. Well, that is what occurred here in Luke chapter 15. Jesus actually has two audiences. Okay? And in response to these two audience, the one audience, he's saying, you know, hear this and be encouraged. The other audience, he is telling these parables for them because they need to hear it. Okay? Are you ready? Everyone, Luke chapter 15. Since I'm 59 or uh, 52 in nine months... Even forget how old I need these things. Okay. So here we are. Luke chapter 15, beginning in verse 1. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear him. So there's audience number one. The tax collectors and sinners. The normal people out in the world were all flocking to Jesus. Sorry, guys. When I get excited, I spit and you're in the front row. So... And I've even going to come down closer in a bit, so sorry. But most of you guys are wearing glasses, so you'll be safe. Okay, so, number one audience. The number one audience is all the normal people that are out there. In fact, they are the normal people, amen? Peter says that those who are followers of Jesus are strangers and aliens. Now, look across at each other, and that explains a lot, doesn't it? We are the strangers and aliens. The world is normal. The world is doing their job. The world is out there sinning and doing all kinds of stuff. They know how to do their job, amen? They're doing it quite well, aren't they? Come on, everyone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so here they are flocking to Jesus. The publicans, the sinners, the people out there, the worldly folk are coming to Jesus in droves because Jesus has the words of life. They're being transformed. They're coming. They're drawn to Jesus because they realize that Jesus is the love of God incarnate. He is the flesh and blood of the love of God. And the the epistles teach us that. So that's audience number one. They're flocking to him. The normal people, the sinful people are flocking to Jesus. Now let's continue on. But the Pharisees and teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. The teachers of the law, the rabbis, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the teachers of the law, who were they in modern day language? Who are they? Did they attend church and were in church regularly or were they out in the world doing Kmart, Walmart, whatever else on Sunday morning? Which were they? They're a church folk. The church folk. The church folk are there too. And what are they doing? 
Now, you guys would never do that, right? You would never, did you, can you, you would never do that here, amen? So who got the normal people? Then we got the religious people. Those are the two types of people for this message that Jesus is going to deliver. The normal sinful people and then the religious people, the church folk, just like, by the way, if I, um, can't get things out quite right. This week I had a root canal. Then I broke the rascal off, and then he put it back in. So if words aren't coming out, sorry about that. It's just been been a fun week this week. And it doesn't quite feel right. But anyway, if I slur or spit extra or whatever, please just hang on tight. Hang on, and you'll, you'll get it, Lord willing. Because the Holy Spirit's here, amen? So, two audiences... The normal people, the sinful people are coming to Jesus, and then the religious folk are coming to Jesus. And in response to the religious people murmuring and complaining and griping, let's see what the text says. Then Jesus, chapter 3, I mean verse 3, then Jesus told them this parable. Who's the primary audience? The lost people or the religious church folk? The church folk. Immediately in response to their murmuring, Jesus told this parable. Let's not lose it. Who's Jesus primarily talking to? The folks out there or we-ins here? Everyone say we-ins. Us. Us. Okay, so here we go. Here's the first parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Does he not leave the ninety and nine in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. I tell you. In the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over the 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. So now, here we are, the first parable of three, and he links them together so you can't miss it. The first parable involves a shepherd. Now, in that day and age, shepherd, were they considered high in the social status or were they on the bottom of social status? On the very bottom, on the very bottom. These guys, even if they witnessed a crime, they could not be called as a witness. They weren't considered qualified even to witness a crime. So the first group of people that Jesus identifies, and who's he speaking to? The people in the world are us. Us, he picks a shepherd, and he says, in essence, here's a modern-day translation. A shepherd loses a sheep, and he has enough common sense to do what? Go find it. A shepherd, a lowly shepherd, when he loses a sheep, he has enough common sense to go find it. And when he finds it, what does he do? He rejoices. He rejoices, and he tells his friends about it. He rejoices when he finds something lost. You know, we've been 
We started at quarter till, so that's half an hour, 40 minutes. Right now, because of your faithfulness in prayer and faithfulness in giving and supporting homegrowns like Crick on the mission field, about 15 people have prayed to receive Jesus Christ since we started worship through the efforts of Christian Missionary Alliance missionaries and pastors around the globe. Can we say praise the Lord? So, where's the party at, guys? Elders, where's the party at? I didn't do that in early service, so. Is there rejoicing in heaven? How many here like parties? I hope you do, because you know what's going to be happening up there. And that's only the CNMA. You know, there's people reaching people all the time praying to receive God. It's a continual party up there. But what were the the Fadducees, the the Sadducees, the Pharisees, and the I mean, they're like Eeyore. They're like Eeyores. Okay, so the first story. Even lowly shepherds have enough common sense that if they lose a sheep, they go and find it. Amen? Okay, now, let's see where he goes from there. Okay? Or, verse 8, or. So he's linking it together. Or, suppose a woman has ten coins and loses one. Does she not light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I found my lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of angels, in the angels of God, over one sinner who repents. Now, here we have the next person. So we start here, a lowly shepherd. Now, in that culture, in that, in that pagan foreign culture, the role of women. And, and where did they view women in that culture? Were they here or were they somewhere down here? They were down there in that culture. In that, you know, it's wrong, it's sinful, but their view was down here. So first he started with a shepherd, and then he, next he went to a woman. And I can't tell you how many sermons went in on and on about the coins and the significance and all that. No, the significance is she lost something and she had enough common sense to do what? Look for it. Now, this wasn't just looking like a man does. Now, how does a man look for stuff? No, I don't see it. Hey, babe, where is that? You seen that? (laughs) No, she's looking for it like a woman looks at it. She's tearing everything apart. She's dusting. She's cleaning. She's turned that house all the way upside down. Amen? And when she finds it, What does she do? She rejoices. She rejoices. See, I think Jesus first was a shepherd person, then someone that's even not educated, because I think that's what he's trying to get across. Someone who has no education. Women weren't allowed to have education. So an uneducated person, if they lose something, they have enough common sense to do what? Look for it. To search for it. And when they find it, what do they do? Rejoice. Rejoice. Now remember, who is Jesus speaking to? 
The people out in the world primarily or us? Us. Now he continues on. He moves on to the next. Jesus continued. Jesus continued. So now he's telling even another story. Now, I don't know why my Greek professor did this, but he came down off of the teaching platform and he looked me square in the eye and he said, repetition penetrates the dullest of minds. (laughs) I don't know why he did that. That's part of the problem. I just don't know. You know what I know? You know what I'm saying? Are you with me? Now, three times here. If Jesus has to repeat himself three times... Does he want us to get it? Yes, yes. So he continues with the third story. There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me your share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Now, this is something so unbelievable, so heinous, it's just unbelievable. This is, this is like telling your dad, Dad, Roll over and drop dead right now. I want everything. I want all your stuff now. In that culture, this is, this is like people, oh, what? This is huge. This is like me going to my dad and saying, dad, drop dead. I want your junk now. I want all the rifles. I don't want the gun safe. I don't want all the other stuff. I just want the guns. It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. I was raised on, on John Wayne and good, clean violence. This boy needed taken out to the woodshed. This boy would have gotten a whooping in my house. Okay? This would like, he wouldn't sit for a long time. All right? This is a snot-nosed, absolute, spoiled brat. We know some of them, don't we? And age has nothing to do with it at times. Amen? So here's someone. I mean, this is bad. This is bad. This is something that in the Old Testament you would take him out and stone him for. That's how serious this is, what he's done. What he said to his father. Unbelievably, the father does it. The father does it. Let's continue on. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. Now, can it get any worse for this young Jewish boy? A Jewish boy that is never to even be in the presence of a pig, he's begging to eat the food of the pigs while he's tending them. It doesn't get worse than that. He's starving to death. Any prodigals that are here, what you sow, you reap, eventually. And sometimes, if you're a prodigal and you're here, God will let circumstances go so far south 
that there's no place to look but up and back home. If you're a prodigal here this morning, and you know if you are not, your dad loves you. He loves you so much that he may make you get to a place where you're feeding pigs and starving to death. Whatever that may look like for you, but he loves you. Your Abba Father loves you. Don't ever miss that. And then it says, the son, when he came to his senses, when he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired men have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate, for this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. If you're a prodigal here this morning, your Father in heaven loves you. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. He may be letting your circumstances get so bad that you come to your senses. I pray if there's any prodigals here that you'll come to your senses. Because your Father in heaven flat out loves you. Just as this parable is saying, He's looking for you. He's waiting for you. He wants you to come home. So this part of the message is for the people out there, the people that were flocking around. Can you imagine what they were thinking? You know, the sinners, the, the tax collectors and all that, and they heard Jesus tell this. They're like, yes, yes, that's for me. I'm a prodigal. I'm one of them. Let me in. I want you, Jesus. I'm going to put my trust in you. And so as they were hearing this parable, they're excited. They're encouraged. But is that the end of the story? No, it's not the end of the story. Meanwhile, verse 25, meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came home to the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has come back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. 
Back at the beginning, who was angry and murmuring and playing like Eeyore? The Pharisees, and who are the Pharisees of today? Everyone raise your hand. Boy, some of you folks aren't very honest. You didn't raise your hand. So you must be the prodigals then. There's only two in this story you can be. Prodigals or older brothers. And he goes on. So his father went out and pleaded with him. He refused to go in. So his father came out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, who has squandered your property with prostitutes, comes home, you kill the fatted calf for him. Who's out of relationship with the father now? Who was before? In the beginning of this story, who appeared to be before? The younger son. Now the younger son has come home and the older brother is so upset. Now who's out of fellowship? And who's Jesus primarily speaking to in this parable? People out there or us? When the father divided the inheritance, who got a double portion? Who went to Sunday school? The elder, the oldest son, would get a double portion. Why do you suppose, we all think, you know, that's not fair, yada, 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 in that culture, in that day, why did the older brother get a double portion? What was his responsibility? He was to keep the family together. He was to protect the family. He was to care for the family. I mean, I had an older brother. I liked having an older brother. I had a great older brother. Because on that school bus, someone picked on me. Guess what? Marky Womp on them. You see, an older brother was given a double portion because he was to assume the, the patriarch of the family and guard and protect the family so that if people started going out, he would protect and guard and go after and he would be the head. He would be a good older brother. But what was this older brother like? He was given a double portion, but what did he use it for? What did he want it for? Who did he want it for? Now, let's think about this for a minute. The older brother's role, the older brother's role was to go after, to seek after, to bring him back, to rescue his brother at whatever cost. And what did he do? Nothing. Nothing. And this morning, what did we just celebrate? 
that our older brother did for us. See, that's what I believe this parable is really about. What kind of older sibling, older brother, older sister are we? Are we like this knucklehead? Am I allowed to say that here? See, John Wayne would use knucklehead. Are we going to be like him? Or are we going to be like our older brother? Let's think about this for a minute. Where was Jesus for all eternity? In heaven. In heaven. In a place where we can't even begin to imagine. Perfect intimacy with the Father. Speaking the universe into existence. Keeping the universe and everything in its place and order in perfection. Our older brother became a baby. Limited himself to these feeble bodies. Became a man. Became a baby. Went through teenage years. Zits and all. And not only that, but went to a cross. He didn't need to go there. Jesus used all that he had to chase after me and chase after you. Because he's the perfect older brother. He used all that he had to reach out to save us. Not only just that death on the cross, but he was separated from the Father for our sake. Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, my Father, my Father, why hast thou forsaken me? For the first time in, in all of creation, in all of history, the Father and the Son were separated. Why? Because he bore my sin and your sin and the sin of the world. God loves prodigals. God loves older brothers and sisters. He came out after the older brother and sister too. Amen? But the question is for us, what type of older brother, older sister are we? Have you got some prodigals that you know of in your life? Or do you have some people that you work with that don't know the Lord? Are you more like that older brother or that older brother? Which one are we more like? Now, I've got some extended family. And they were older brothers. By the way, older brothers and sisters can become prodigals. And when they do, they are hard to reach. Amen? 
I got to tell you, I got some, some extended family, and I just want to go smack them right in the head. Anyone here with me? I just want to smack them in the head. Knock some sense into them. Amen? But what would Jesus do? What would Jesus do? What did Jesus do? For the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. Amen? For the Son of Man did not come to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give His life as a ransom for many. The prodigals that are in our lives, what have we done? Have we chased after them? We have the resources of the Lord Jesus Christ dwelling within us. We are more than conquerors. We have the Holy Spirit. We have the Lord Jesus Christ within us. What have we done to reach out to the prodigals that are in our lives and to the lost people in our lives? Or do we just kind of ignore them? Or does it even get worse than that? Anyone ever seen Beautician and the Beast, Fran Dresser? You know, when someone started talking to her and she got annoyed, he'd just say, speak to the hand. So we're having a conversation. Speak to the hand. I'm going to ignore you. Speak to the hand. Sure, we're not mean toward them. We just ignore them. And pretend they're not there. Is that what Jesus did? It's what he did. And it's what the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the teachers of the law in that day were doing. They didn't want to have anything to do with the prodigal or the lost. Hence, they accused Jesus of being a friend of sinners. My dear brothers and sisters, is anyone accusing us of being a friend of sinners? If they're not, then we may not be as Christ-like as we think. Any amens on that, puppy? I'm going to pray in just a little bit, and, and we have some extra time here. I believe that it's white unto harvest. The fields are white unto harvest. I believe for every single one of us in this room, there is either a prodigal that's in our life or there's an unsaved person that's in our life. Now, it could be a neighbor. It could be a co-worker. I've had both that were a pain. We've had neighbors. Our neighbor had the two dogs. They, they almost bit my kids. They almost bit me. If that guy was a believer, I'd have shot both those dogs years ago. And I love dogs. Are you hearing me? I had a foreman once. He gave me every stinking, rotten, horrible job there was. Eventually, he pulled a switchblade on me. He got fired. I went into the big boss and said, look, if you fire him, I quit too. And he said, well, I've got to do something more. I don't know. Do something. But if you fire him, I'm out of here. And that foreman came back to me and he said, 
You're the real deal, aren't you? I said, I don't know about that. But I love Jesus. And I know he loves you, too. You idiot. No, I didn't say that. I didn't say that. But he was, I mean, he did everything. He hired a detective. He paid a detective to do research and dig up dirt on my family and then would come in talking about all this stuff. Oh, did you know this? Did you know that? I mean, he was a royal pain. But eventually, he said, you're the real deal, aren't you? And believe me, that's not about me. It was just Jesus in me that he finally saw. And then he opened up about his mom in the hospital and this and that and asked me, would you go see my mom? Would you go see my aunt? Would you go do this? Sure, absolutely. Now, I don't know that Jimmy ever prayed to receive Christ. But he needed not an older brother like in that parable, but one like Jesus. Amen? And so the question is, what type of older brother and sister are we? Are we more like that one in the story, or are we more like Jesus? Because the prodigals of this world and and the people out there in this community desperately, desperately need to see Jesus in us. Because they're lost. And they're entering into a Christless eternity. And Jesus said, as the Father sent me, so send I you. This parable was not for all the sinners coming to Jesus. It's primarily for me and for you. And the real question is, what type of older sibling are we? One like in the parable, or one like Jesus who laid his life down to be the good news. To be the flesh and blood of the love of God. I'm going to pray and ask the Lord to reveal prodigals or unsaved friends. Or if you're an older sibling and you need to repent and ask God for forgiveness, please just seek Him. And obey whatever the Holy Spirit is whispering for you to do. Let us pray. O Father in heaven, how desperately I need this parable brought to my mind repeatedly. Please forgive me for being so much of the time like that older brother. Please forgive me, Abba Father. I want to be like Jesus. I want to be like Jesus.
Oh, Father, if there are any prodigals here this morning, Holy Spirit, speak to them right now. Tell them how much you love them. Tell them it's never too late. And Father, for the prodigals who aren't here, I pray that you would do whatever it takes to bring them to their senses so that they turn, repent, and seek you. For you are not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And Father, for the older siblings that are here, deliver us from ourselves. Please. The self-centeredness that our culture encourages and delights in. Deliver us from being a professional older brother or sister. And make us like Jesus. One who lays his life down for others. One who came to seek and to save that which was lost. Make us one who wants to literally be the flesh and blood of the love of Jesus Christ in others' lives. And so, Father, right now through the Holy Spirit's ministry to us, I ask that you would impress upon every one of us either a prodigal or an unsaved person, a neighbor, an associate, someone at work, someone that we uh, play golf with or shop with or quilt with or whatever it might be right now and throughout this day in your perfect time impress upon each one of us either a prodigal or a lost one and then so transform us from the inside out that we literally become the flesh and blood of your love Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Apart from you, we can do nothing. And so we seek you for this miraculous work. We seek you. And I ask that out of that intimacy with you, that you will give the wisdom, the knowledge, the discernment. You will cause your love to so flow through us that it would be irresistible and prodigals. Hundreds of prodigals, hundreds of lost individuals will come to their senses, repent, and seek you, Abba Father, Jesus, and Holy Spirit. We ask for the miraculous. And the biggest miracle of all is the transformation of us from older brothers like that parable, like in that parable. To be like Jesus. That's the greatest need. That's my greatest need. That's the greatest miracle of all that we seek. And I believe. Help my unbelief. I believe. That you're going to transform us.